how do we start over and then start recording? Yeah. <laughs> how do we? Well, I think that we did, did anything funny happen to you this week? Well, the summer solstice was beautiful. Oh, the summer solstice was so beautiful. It was great. Was what a good day. I know. That place was so witchy. I was just going <laughs> to say that same word. And it, the weather was better than today. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was warm. I know. Today, I'm I'm literally sweating already. Oh, me too. <laughs> I hate the feeling of my Ooh. own skin touching my own skin. <laughs> I don't remember who I talked to about this, but I remember having a very serious emotional conversation about, like, the feeling of my tummy on the top of my jeans. I think it was with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was me and I think that it was in Plymouth because we ate those huge stuffed Dude, brunch stuff pretzel was like an emotional. Well, first of all, we went there because Marie was like, Guy Fieri went there. <laughs> but I thought it was, I actually, if I had to guess, thought it was you, me, and Lindsay talking about it. It might have, maybe we talked about it then too. I feel like there's been multiple conversations. I mean, it's a thing I've felt really sincere as I did. <laughs> it's a thing I felt really sincerely about for a long time that like, it just should be illegal, this feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it should, like, I don't know how to self-care myself out of <laughs> I don't wear pants if I feel like that. Like, I yeah. will wear pants that are too big for me. <laughs> but I normally have the opposite problem with pants where, like, they're too loose on my waist, mm. but, like, tight on my thighs. Yeah. It goes back and forth depending on the style for me. Yeah. But I've, I don't think ever in my whole life I've had a pair of pants that fit both places. Who's shaped like pants? I know. No one. <laughs> Who's shaped like pa- pants or shaped? That's why literally when I find a pair of pants that I like, I wear, that's all I wear. Yeah. <laughs> Just over and over. But at the same time, I'm like not, I went, I went, my mom took me shopping when she was here for graduation and I don't remember where I was, but I was trying on a pair of pants and I was like trying to decide between two sizes, like one which fit at my waist and the legs were huge, and the other where the legs were tight, mm-hmm. and the, you know, mm-hmm. like, and the person who was working in the fitting room was like, oh, well, like, you could just get them tailored, Whoa. and I wanted to be like, who the fuck do you think I am? <laughs> I'm like, what do I look like? Do I look like a person who goes to a fucking tailor? Are you serious? <laughs> You're like, I literally want to be able to go home and rip off the tags and put them on. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mostly shop at Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only time I I get new clothes is when my mom buys them for mm, me. Mm-hmm. At what age do you go to a tailor? The only time I've ever gone to a tailor is for, like, bridesmaids' dresses. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I did, like, stuff like theater in high school and had to wear fancy dresses, I would get them, like, I would go to, like, a dressmaker. But mm-hmm. not for some pants I'm buying at a store, like... <laughs> So, happy summer solstice. Happy summer solstice. <laughs> um, happy bellies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want to get started? Yeah. <laughs> this is Adjunct Astrologers. I'm Michelle. And I'm Erin. And today we're talking about cosmic history. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing like a deeper dive into something that has already been mentioned on the podcast before that like we wanted to do more research about. Yeah. But first, we wanted to do a thank you horoscope for Paulus at work. No, I think I was like writing the tea with her and she's like, 
yeah, I'm still excited for ah! my horoscope. She like said it so just like slyly, and I was like, oh my god, we forgot to do your horoscope. So if you don't remember, Pollock emailed us a couple episodes ago for our compatibility episode mm-hmm. about Vedic astrology and compatibility. And she wrote a great email, and we said we would do a thank you horoscope, and we haven't yet. So Erin, yeah. <laughs> who is a Libra, yes. wrote a Libra horoscope for Pollock. Yeah. And when I do a horoscope, I don't really write them. <laughs> She's doing air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> I, like, just write notes mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. like, I, so I know the time Pollock was born and where she was born and everything like that. So, like, I looked at her chart this morning. So, she's a Libra, like, like myself, uh, but also she has a lot of trines in her. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, um, her entire, like, most of her horoscope was above the... Oh, interesting. Top heavy. Yeah. So, she has a lot of trines, and they all kind of, like, pointed towards the same thing, that she's, like, very optimistic and very, like, communicative and, um like, observant, and so it's funny, because, like, she is very much an introvert, she identifies as an introvert, but, like, when you, like, start talking to her, she's, like, very, she, you can see that she's, like, very optimistic and very, like, talkative, yeah, Yeah, animated, yeah, so she has a lot of trines, so that's kind of what, like, that means, and that she, and her moon is in Aquarius, uh, so she is, like, very observant, very attentive, and a lot of her, as- like, most of her aspects are above, so that means that she's very, like, honest and mm. on- kind of on, not, like, you know, surface level, but just, like, she she doesn't try to hide things. There's no or- artifice. Yeah, 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 which is... I feel that. Yeah, which is very true. It's a good thing, too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and so the new, the moon right now is in, is in Cancer, and so, kind of the horoscope for Pollock, for, um, it, it's a chance for Libras to kind of question their emotions behind things, or their motives behind things, because Cancer is, like, very emotional and very just, like, straightforward and wants to, like, yeah. get things going. And Libras can be very, can be kind of unattached and, and a little bit unemotional, but, like, this happens in the sense of, like, Libras can set a goal and kind of work really, really hard towards it and not really reevaluate what the, like, emotions are behind this oh. goal. So I think that kind of this this moon in Cancer, this, um, or this sign in Cancer, I think it's a good time for, for Pollock to, like, kind of look at what she's doing and, like, assess kind of the emotions behind it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a good chance to just, like, step back and evaluate things. Yeah, because Libra's earth sign, very, right? Air. Air sign. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very objective, right? We yeah. talked about that on the last episode. Yeah, very objective. So, that I think that can lead to just, like, kind of being like, nope, this is what I'm working on, and, like, this is what I'm doing. And it doesn't have to necessarily be work or, like, just kind of anything mm-hmm. that maybe, like, Pollock is working very, very hard at or, like, kind of very interested in, kind of just, mm-hmm. like, stepping back it and looking at what is uh, the driving force behind right. that. See what is driving your goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, yeah, I think that's a really good thing for the new moon in Cancer. Because I was talking about earlier, um, I read this really good Twitter thread about what the new moon in Cancer means. Um, and I'll retweet it on our Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is Adjunct Astros, yes, right? Yeah, Adjunct Astros. So I'll retweet this, but basically saying that, like, 
because Cancer is uh, ruled by the moon, it's, you know, obviously ruled by emotions, but the new moon in Cancer is like a good time to um, find emotional stability um, and to sort of think about pain you've been holding on to, but then also let it go. Mm. Um, so the thread was like super helpful in that regard. It hit me right in my feels because um, it said something about like some some of us might be feeling like we're defining ourselves by an emotional pain that we haven't let go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll retweet that. It's really yeah. it was really helpful, and um, the person also like links to or retweets another thread with a new moon ritual that Aww. I might do. Yeah, so I'll put that on Twitter. That's great. Yeah, yeah. As you were reading it to me, I was like, "All right, this is like a great way to to think of." This sign that you said is very, like, this, these three days will be very emotional. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. So, like, thinking of, of that and kind of, like, using that, harnessing it yeah. instead of... Basically, they said that, like, our emotions are going to be cranked up to a 10, mm. but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. That it's, like, you take it in and you let it go. So. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that it's, like, fine to have emotion. I know. Like, you've been telling me that, and it's been so like, helpful. Like, it's okay to be sad, or it's okay to be... Like, whenever I say, like, I'm really sad about this thing, you've been really nice about being like, that's totally normal that you're sad about that thing. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's helpful. Yeah. It's tough because it's, like, you know, I feel like I always talk about having that double awareness of knowing that it's okay, but not really feeling like it's okay, mm-hmm. so... But it is. It is. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> but thanks again to Paula Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Paula, that was amazing. Um, I also had a friend text me and say that San, Sanguine? San, I did. I still did not look sanguine? up how to, how to pronounce What'd it. What'd they say? Um, she said, my friend Tori, she said, um, it's like Spanish for blood, like, and it, so like, the Latin root of the word is, like, blood-related. That's so, why I think yeah. in, in, like, true crime, exsanguinate is a yeah, thing. Yeah. I think that's a thing. Like, when someone is, like, tr- <laughs> I was just going to get super graphic, but I think <laughs> exsanguination is a thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, this is, this is it. She's like, I also didn't research it, so maybe not 100%. And I'm like, fit and imperfect with us. Thanks, Tori. <laughs> yeah. Took Latin in high school or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. <sighs> Um, so should we do some history lessons? Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you, I, I went first last time, so. Oh, did you? Do you want to go first? But, I mean, I don't yeah. really care. Well, yours is, is yours more of, like, an overview of an, I, I don't know. I guess we didn't research the same thing, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Cool. Okay. Let me pull it up on my, oh my god. I'm reading off of a tablet today, which I never do. Oh no. So There's so much stuff going on. It's just because I didn't get to the part where I transfer my notes on my computer to my notepad. Mm. My scary, like, <laughs> notepad that's just notes about astrology and murder. <laughs> okay, so on our last, on our first Snack Time episode, mm-hmm. we did trivia. And one of Aaron's trivia questions was about a president who believed in astrology, right? Yeah. And the answer was Ronald Reagan. And I was fascinated by that. So I had set out to look into all the presidents who believed in astrology and do like a listicle, but I fell down the rabbit hole of Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan and like Hollywood in the 1950s and like Mm -hmm. astrology and the reveal of like who their longtime astrologer was. 
So I'm going to talk about that. Yes! (laughs) Okay, so for those of you who suck at American history like I do, um, Ronald Reagan was, ran for president in 1980 and was elected and served from 1981, like January, inauguration 1981, to I guess 1989 when the next president was elected, when Carter was elected. Mm. In 1988, so that's like the year... The last year of his presidency, mm-hmm. Don Reagan. So I know this is confusing, but Don Reagan was not related to Ronald Reagan. Um, their last names are spelled differently. But anyway, Don Reagan. He served in the Reagan administration first as the Secretary of Treasury and then as the White House Chief of Staff. Um, in 1988, he wrote a book that was released called "For the Record," and it was like about his involvement in the Reagan administration. And in it he revealed what he described as the most closely guarded domestic secret of the Reagan White House, which was, this is his quote, virtually every major move and decision the Reagans made during my time as White House Chief of Staff was cleared in advance with a woman in San Francisco who drew up horoscopes to make certain that the planets were in a favorable alignment for the Enterprise. Yes. So this, like goes the 1988 version of viral, basically. That is amazing. It was all over the news. The New York Post had a headline saying, like, astrologer runs the White House. There were, like, congressmen making jokes about it on the Senate floor, being Mm -hmm. like, you know, they would be, like, bickering over something and saying, like, well, maybe we should consult an astrologer. Like, it was crazy. Um, And the White House spokesman actually had to, like, confirm it. He made a statement saying, President Reagan... And this is quoted from, a bunch of these things I'm reading are quoted from New York Times articles from 1988, Mm -hmm. the People magazine feature from 1988, or the LA Times from 1988. So, um, White House spokesman said, President Reagan and his wife Nancy are both interested in astrology, but it hasn't informed major policies. The White House spokesman said said that, and then two other White House officials said that Miss Reagan, Nancy Reagan, had been, like, become concerned with astrology after the assassination attempt Mm -hmm. on Ronald Reagan in 1981. But, according to People Magazine (laughs) and other sources, like the LA Times talks about this, um, so when Ronald Reagan and Nancy Davis, that was Nancy Reagan's maiden name, were, like, coming up in Hollywood in the 40s and 50s, it was, like, really fashionable to see an astrologer. Really? Okay. All of the celebrities of that time went to see astrologers. There were, like, famous astrologers who were in Hollywood and, like, went to all the parties. There were astrology columns. Like, it was kind of in vogue, yes, basically. Yeah. Um, in fact, both of them, before they were married and after, had been clients of a celebrity astrologer named Carol Ryder. Ryder spelled, like, right turn, like, R-I-G-H-T-E-R, writer, who was a lawyer in, like, New York or something, read his horoscope, the horoscope, like, predicted some huge thing in his life, then he moved to California and became the celebrity astrologer. He apparently kept files with birth charts of his most famous clients by his bed, so he was available at all times. Like, celebrities would call him. They would call him on the phone in the middle of the night and, like, ask him. And there was one... One, like, anecdote, I don't remember what movie star it was, but he had apparently told her, 
a certain time that she should sign contracts mm-hmm. at like 2.45 in the morning. And so she, it was like her personal rule she would only sign contracts for movies at that time. Wow. He also threw parties for people based on their sign. And like, for example, he threw one where he rented like a lion for someone who was a Leo. So just what? like, it's like Imagine great guests, basically. party for my yeah. mom and <laughs> That's what we, we should do after her email. <laughs> but so anyway, like Hollywood in the 40s and 50s, it was just like acceptable, basically. Yeah. It was it was like fashionable. Um, so anyway, in 1967, after Ronald Reagan, so for those of you who don't know, he Ronald Reagan was like in movies and stuff, and then he transitioned into politics. Um, In 1967, he was elected to be the governor of California, and he famously chose 12.10 a.m., so 10 minutes after midnight, as his inauguration time. Mm -hmm. And people said it was because this celebrity astrologer, Carol Ryder, had told him that that was, like, an important... It was, like, astrologically favorable for him to be inaugurated at that time. So who was that... San Francisco woman that Don Reagan wrote about. Her name was Joan Quigley. She was born in San Francisco. She was a super rich Republican. She was educated at Vassar, back when Vassar was like a women's college. And she has allegedly, had allegedly been counseling the Reagans well before Ronald Reagan ran for president in 1980. Um, Like, it's possible she was even, like, advising them when he, in the 60s and Mm -hmm. 70s. So, in fact, in July 1980, when Ronald Reagan was running for president, he told a reporter that he'd sought advice from an an astrologer and read his daily horoscope. And immediately, a delegation from the Federation of American Scientists wrote the president to say they were gravely disturbed. Oh, I guess maybe he was already the president in 19... I don't know. It's unclear. <laughs> I don't know when when in, like, election time this was. Oh, okay. But either way, these scientists wrote to Ronald Reagan, and they said, In our opinion, no person whose decisions are based, even in part, on such evident fantasies can be trusted to make the many serious and even life-and-death decisions required of American presidents. Um, but at the same time, like, other congressmen were like, Oh, we thought Ronald Reagan believed in Jesus Christ, and that would be okay. So for me, I'm like, so the Jesus Christ fantasy is okay, (laughs) but astrology (laughs) fantasies. So anyway, Ronald Reagan responded to these scientists in a letter saying, let me assure you that while Nancy and I enjoy glancing at the daily astrology charts in our morning paper, we do not plan our daily activities or our lives around them, which is not true. No, that's totally Nancy Reagan, on the other hand, was said to be become even more concerned about astrological timing after the assassination attempt made on her husband in 1981. Um, In her memoir, which is called My Turn, the former first lady said that she called Joan Quigley, this rich San Francisco woman, Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of the assassination attempt on the president, and she said, I'm scared every time he leaves the house. Um, And so she started, Quigley became her go-to person for advice, on the president's schedule. Wow. So taking cues from her friend Quigley, Nancy changed the time and date of scheduled events, canceled trips, and severely restricted activities outside the White House. Um, Don Reagan, so the White House Mm -hmm. um, chief of staff, 
apparently said he was forced to keep a color-coded calendar on his desk that Quigley had, like, written up saying which days were good, bad, or iffy days for the president to, like, schedule things. Wow. Yeah. Um, And apparently Nancy included a list in which large chunks of time were marked stay at home or be careful or no public exposure. Um, So in 1988, when all this came out, Joan Quigley was obviously interviewed, like, Mm -hmm. by everyone. Um, And in one of these interviews, she said that um, it was so clear to people in the astrology community that the president's schedule was being timed by astrological events that they would like, what did she say? She says, I had astrologer friends calling me saying Reagan must have had his chart done, Quigley confided during an interview in San Francisco in 1988. And she responded by just saying, yes, he must have been consulting someone because she was being like very discreet. (laughs) But apparently um, the announcement of his second term like coincided with some astrological stuff. This auspicious day. Yeah. Um, and then, so back to this White House chief of staff who wrote this book, he apparently did not leave the White House in good terms. And in his book, he wrote that this astrologer services were used to schedule Air Force One trips, speeches, and many other aspects of the presidency. Um, in an interview with the Washington Post, Joan Quigley said, this is technical work. It's not some sort of crystal ball gazing. I do political astrology, which means I chart full moons and new moons and eclipses and great conjunctions and cycle charts of the major planets. So she was like, I'm not a fucking magician. She's like, I'm looking at the planets. Um, But there's a lot of debate, of course, over what she actually influenced. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, the president was like, oh, she didn't actually influence that much. It's more of a hobby. Whereas Nancy was like, well, no, like, she influenced the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Quigley herself has made, like, conflicting claims. So back in 1988, she was like, oh, like, I did not have any role in, like, policy. But in 1990, she was like, no, I, I had a much bigger role. So she wrote a book in 1990 called What Does Joan Say? <laughs> My Seven Years as White House Astrologer to Nancy yes, and Ronald bless. Reagan. Oh, I know. Bless. I know. Drag them. <laughs> so in her book, she wrote that she was responsible for timing all press conferences, most speeches, the State of the Union address, the takeoffs and landings of Air Force One. I picked the time of Ronald Reagan's debate with Jimmy Carter and the two debates with Walter Mondale all extended trips abroad, as well as shorter trips and one-day excursions. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing, so of course I was like, I want to look at his birth chart. Yeah. Ronald Reagan's precise birth moment, which is essential for accurate charting, is a carefully guarded secret. (gasps) No way! Known only to a few. Like, it was nowhere online. I could not find it. I'm sure it's somewhere, but like... My eyes have been like the size of <laughs> like golf balls this entire time. Isn't this incredible? Okay, so I'm close to the end. So then I was trying to find out like if she had ever talked about his chart. Mm-hmm. So in one of these interviews she gave in 1988, she explained that Ronald Reagan's chart was the most brilliant she'd ever seen, which I don't know what that means, but like maybe it means like 
It looked good. Yeah. <laughs> it looked real good. So Ronald Reagan was an Aquarius. He was born on February 6th, 1911. And um, she, Joan Quigley, said, His son is in the midheaven, which is the part of the United States horoscope that rules the president. His stars are very lucky for a country, and he has three planets in the sign of exaltation, which you almost never see. And um, I looked up what that meant because we haven't talked about exaltation, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what that meant. But basically, a planet's exaltation is a sign of the zodiac in which it is thought to be particularly well-placed. Exaltation reflects an affinity between planets and signs. Planets in their signs of exaltation are strengthened um, as are planets in the sign they rule. So basically, exaltation is, I think it's called, it's one of like a multiple essential dignities and that means like in your birth chart a planet is in exaltation if it's located in a sign where it's most powerful okay so for example the moon and cancer have Mm -hmm. like a relationship so if the moon is in cancer in your birth chart that means the moon is like the most at its most powerful force on your personality. Okay, that makes sense. So apparently he had, like, a bunch of strong-ass planets. I sort of just thought about it as, like, if the planet is a Pokemon, it's reached its, like, most (laughs) evolution, like, its highest evolutionary state. That was, like, a big part of his chart was that his planets, a bunch of his planets were in exaltation. That's cool. So, I wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be mad about that. Like, I know people, like, got up in arms about him being, like, schedule, like scheduling stuff, but, like, what's wrong with that? Here's the thing, like, <laughs> if you're, com- like, if, I feel like it could be, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if you're confident with the time of the debate. Right. It's, it's like, um, like a superstition with, like, an athlete. If they have to do a certain ritual before they run, it's not actually, like, it doesn't impact anyone else but right. it gives them confidence so if he's confident at like the time that a press conference is yeah. scheduled or like confident at the time of a debate what's wrong with that like they're all super villains in my opinion yeah. the reagans are all super villains but like if we're fine with a president praying about something and being yeah. like jesus told me to have this press conference at this time then like whatever if mm-hmm. the president wanted to look at the stars like I don't know. Let That's fine say. with me. Like whatever. Yeah. If we can't, <laughs> we can't draw lines. Yeah. But apparently, one thing I saw was that President, at one point early in his ter- first term, President Obama was talking about like seeking guidance from past presidents, and they were the person who was interviewing him was like, "Oh, who have you spoken to?" And he was like, oh, like, I've actually spoken to all the living presidents, and I didn't want to get into, like, a seance with the Reagans, but he, like, made a joke about the Reagans being into some, like, new age shit, yes. and then he, he had to call Nancy and apologize. Oh. He called that old ass lady and apologized to her. Well, it makes total sense that, like, after your husband is shot that you, if it's something that you're already interested in, like, you're going to want some sort of control. Yeah. Well, like, I also that. read somewhere, I could not find this confirmed, but apparently someone had reported that, like, an astrologer had told Nancy something bad was going to happen mm. on that day. Wow. And I don't know if that's true or, like, I don't know if someone really told her that, but imagine if someone did say, like, something bad's going to happen on this day and then it happened. Yeah. Like, you probably would want to seek any guidance about a schedule. Yeah. 
I'm just saying, like, if you can pray to yeah, sweet Lord Jesus about it, then, like, you can make a birth chart and look at the stars. Absolutely. In fact, I would rather you make a... I would rather you look at the literal planets in the sky. Same. Same. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Uh, I love that. Uh, that was Reagan, great. President Literally, of the United my States. face was just, like, my jaw was dropped <laughs> the entire time. That's how I felt when I was reading about it, because it was, like... I don't know, any everything from old Hollywood intrigue to, like, mm-hmm. but I'm going to post on Instagram a photo of this woman, Joan Quigley. She looks like an American horror story character. You know, the TV show? Like, uh-huh. she looks like she could have been a witch on that season about yes. coming. She looks so spooky. Yes. But not even in, like, a weird, like, new age shop in your hometown spooky, but just, like old Hollywood, like, I have secrets, spooky. I love it. Big hair, lots of jewelry. Yeah. That's amazing. Cool. Back when Republicans believed in astrology. <laughs> Come in. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> don't, don't at me. <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. I'm ready to be wowed by your cool. generations-long research. <clears throat> so... I decided to do a little bit more research into Pluto mm. um, because I found Pluto, talking about Pluto in the Our Wandering Planets episode, like super interesting. And I just wanted to do more research into Pluto and what it meant astronomically. And, or no, astrologically. Astrologically. But I both. also, yeah, I looked into both. Um, so I kind of got more into, like, the, like, science stuff of it than the, the Oh, you mean there's stuff? actual science that plays with it? <laughs> Stop laughing, Eric. No. Oh, my God. No fun. We said we weren't going to have fun on this episode. Oh, I just take, like, once I'm editing for a while and I hear my laugh, like, over and over, I'm like, I understand why my friend Chrissy in fifth grade told me to stop laughing. (gasps) Whatever. It's like I tell you every time we hang out, never change. You're perfect. Um, All right, so. We're just, like, delirious sweating now. I know. This is real hot. Um, so Pluto, in the early 20, 20th century, astronomer Percival Lowell predicted that there was a planet beyond Neptune because he felt that there needed to be something that accounted for unexplained motions in the orbit of Venus and Neptune. Okay. He was wrong about that. Like, Pluto has nothing to do with the the unaccounted motions, but... He was right that there was something wow. beyond there. Okay. Um, so Clyde Tombow, he was a young astronomer at the Lowell Observatory in Arizona, and he was the one that kind of took up the search for this planet. And in 1930, he found it. Uh, yeah, using this really cool like technique where they like would take pictures of the sky mm-hmm. over a certain period of time. And stars would move, but planets would be there. Okay. And um, so that's how that's how they found it. But in 2006, the International Astronomical Union downgraded the status of Pluto to dwarf planet. Yeah, what's that about? Um, well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Seems arbitrary. It kind of is. Okay. Um, there are a lot of astronomers that don't like how it was decided upon um, only like a small fraction of 
astronomy, like, I don't know if it's, like, a license or something, like, astronomers in the world, like, voted on it, mm. and so, like, a lot of astronomers are like, we don't think this is accurate, but it was downgraded because it is a celestial body that is, um, that orbits the sun and is big enough that it's controlled by gravitational forces of the sun, but it hasn't cleared the neighboring areas of other objects. And so that means, like, the Earth has, like, cleared other objects out of this, like, the space other than satellites, which are, like, moons and stuff. Like, but we have enough force where, like, in our surrounding area, there's no other big objects. Which, like, some people, that's, like, kind of where some astronomers are, like, that doesn't really count because yeah. there are some large ones. But that's, like, what is is said to be the difference between a planet and a dwarf planet. Um, Wait, so what kind of objects? Like other just like celestial bodies, like any kind of like big mass out in. So like what, we've cleared them, like we move, what does that mean? Sorry. Like like our gravitational like forces have moved them out of our area. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so like there's nothing, nothing comparable to Earth like, size-wise in the surrounding areas of Earth because, like, our gravitational, like, forces are so strong that we've cleared them. Okay. Yeah. But Pluto... Pluto has not because there's there's other, um... Like, comets and stuff? Yeah, and there's other, like, celestial bodies that in its belt that are, like, the same size as it that haven't been cleared. What are those things? What are they? I know. There's I didn't like, know there was shit out there yeah, like that. there's a lot. And they found there's like a, a mass bigger than Pluto, closer to Neptune that, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. So, it, it kind of makes sense that Pluto isn't a planet anymore, what? technically. Like there's just big old planet-sized stuff out yeah. there? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, but nothing that supports life. <laughs> right. Um, or does it? <laughs> Well, <laughs> once it gets out that far, it, like, too cold. The atmosphere just can't sustain stuff. Uh, can't sustain life. As we understand it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because, like, it technically doesn't have an atmosphere. Right, Like, when right. Pluto gets a certain distance away from the sun, it just has no atmosphere. Which, oh, like, things okay. can't live in space. Gotcha. So it takes Pluto 248 years to orbit the sun. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's far away. And its orbital plane doesn't lie in the same place as the rest of the planets. It's inclined at a 17 degree angle. And its orbit is like an oval. Mm-hmm. So um, that means that sometimes it's closer to the sun than other times. And this is what like sometime, like I was reading one article and it's like, it had this list of like attributes of Pluto and one of it was like, its atmosphere comes and goes. <laughs> Same. Which, right? <laughs> Which then I did more research, and that means that, like, when it gets closer to the sun, all the water melts, and it has, like, a different type of gas in its atmosphere. And then when it gets far away from, like, its farthest point of the sun, it just loses its atmosphere. Sometimes it's closer to the sun than Neptune because okay. of this. Through a telescope, it just looks like a star. So that's kind of the, like astronomical stuff yeah but in astrology we still use we (laughs) we we still use pluto i talk about this a little bit in episode two was wandering planets i think yeah Um, when we talk about it it was in retrograde yeah yeah so if you want to go back and listen to that you'll get a little bit um more information about pluto but I'll, i'll talk about 
some stuff that I also talked about in that, that episode. So Pluto is the god of the underworld, Hades, and is the ruler of Scorpio. But I was reading one thing where it said that Hades is now kind of synonymous with just the underworld in general, mm. but Pluto is like the the personal representation, like the ruler of mm. it. Okay. And Pluto received the underworld in a three-way division with his brother Zeus, who got the sky, and Poseidon, who got the sea. And um, Pluto is best known for the Persephone mm-hmm. myth, mm-hmm. Um, which is where Persephone is abducted and brought down to the underworld. And Pluto, other than this myth, Pluto is rarely seen as, like, a main character. Right. Like, Pluto's always a side character, which I'm like, oh, perfect. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Perfect (laughs) for this planet. Um, Always a dwarf planet, never the planet. (laughs) Astrologically speaking, Pluto is an outer planet. Mm -hmm. So Pluto affects not, like, really... Like a person on on just like a individual level, it affects the world as a whole. Pluto rules transformation. Uh, Pluto represents subconscious forces, and ruling kind of all that's below the surface. I'm using mm. those quotes again because um, <laughs> I had them written down like air quotes, air <laughs> yeah. quotes on podcast. Yeah. Um, it's the great revealer, and it's connect. Pluto's connected a lot to. Um, Kind of like the phoenix, like death and rebirth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Transformations, like you said. And so it spends about 10 to 20 years in each sign, and that's because of the oval orbit. And so it spends so long in this, in single signs that, that Pluto can talk about the cultural, the current cultural obsessions, but also it is the like enduring interests of the generation that it is born under. And it it suggests how this group will change the world and how it will transform the world. So I looked at all the generations since since Pluto has been discovered. Right. Um, I kind of looked at all the different generations and talked about what sign it was in and how in fact, at first I tried to do everything, like, all the cultural obsessions, right. all the, but I was like, okay, I just need to do, like, what it means for this generation. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so from 1914 to 1940, Pluto was in Cancer. So 1914 to 1940. Yes. So Pluto. Two, okay. Yeah. Pluto <laughs> was in Cancer. So for 26 years. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Math. <laughs> so, as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, cancer is very moody, kind of deeply mm-hmm. emotional, very emotional, ruled by the moon, protective, um, wants stability, is very much about family, intense, like just this very intense sign. Yeah. Um, so kind of, if you think about, this is like the war generation. So if you think mm. about the timing of this, this was when, this was World War One, the depression and the lead up to World War Two and Nazism. And so that's kind of what was going on in the world then. But the people that were born under Pluto, uh, they're the war generation. And if you think about them, they are very, like, nationalistic, very security-minded. So that's before baby boomers? Yes. What's that generation called? Is it called the war generation? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So, like, they – this is the generation that then – 
moved and was for the American dream. Like, this was the American dream generation, which which fits so well with cancer because they want that family. They want that, like – and even if, like, a cancer doesn't want a family, they want that, like, stability and that, like, that just very – they take care of themselves and the people around them and – they're very fierce about that. Right. Whatever um, their idea of family is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so they were like the the fences, all that. And they also like were the first generation to be into like psychoanalysis. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they were okay. like very into Freud. And, yeah. Um, this is what, and he like kind of wrote a lot of his main um, stuff during when Pluto was in Cancer. Um, <laughs> this is like my grandparents. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. I think, yeah. And they are also, this is the gen- a generation that is very set in their ways and they will not change their ideals. Um, oh, yeah. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, which fits very well with Cancer. We can shit talk them because they don't listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> um... So, yes, but people, like, are into psychoanalysis, so they're into, like, finding out what kind of these emotions are, which makes sense with a water sign, I think. Like, just reading about the war generation, I was like, yeah, okay, this this fits cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like how they changed the world. Like, they transformed the world into the... And I'm talking about, in all this research, it's the American generation. Right. Because I'm American, <laughs> because, like, this is what I've learned in school, so... Take it with a grain of salt. They were very much, like, the American generation that, like, moved from this, like, from these wars to kind of, like, we want to be stable. We want to be secure. It's very reactionary. Yeah. Um, They're fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Fucked up (laughs) motives to, like, yeah, create. Yeah. Yeah. So. I would say that had a global effect. Oh, yeah. If you think about it as, like, capitalism, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Capitalism. American capitalism in that time had a global effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was very much of thinking, like, we're the best. Like, yeah, we're, we're the best. Yeah. Yeah, they are the greatest generation. The American, this, like, I feel like the American family, the idea of the American family that was created during that generation or by that generation was, like, super symbolic in terms of, like, oh, yeah. American ideals, which means that plays out in how we act, how we interact with the rest of the world. Yeah. You're crazy! Okay, yeah. what happened next? So, <laughs> the next were the baby boomers. Oh. <laughs> so, the word generation had all these babies. Uh, yeah, because they were like, everything's great now. Yeah. We killed everybody. <laughs> Let's yeah. have all these babies. So, they are... Pluto was in Leo from 1940 oh my to God. 1957. 1940 um, to 1957? Yeah. My mom was born in 1956. Yeah, so she's baby born. So, um, You're damn right she is. <laughs> so as we know, um, Leos are fierce and they kind of want attention and they want to be the best and they want to... Um, this is so fascinating. <laughs> so, and they're very confident and sincere, but they're also like loyal and romantic and... Um, Fire signs. They're like yeah. super entrepreneurial too. So kind of if you think about this like the baby boomer generation they were the hippies they were the protesters they were like artistic and had these like very strong ideals that they kind of were like that they put out into the the world Mm -hmm. and um were very much about like like love and um like leos are also a very like physical sign Mm -hmm. so this idea of like free love and, like, a very, like, sexually oriented yeah. generation. Uh, so they were, they were 
they were ruled by Leo, and um, they kind of, like, rejected the system. Some of them. Yeah. (laughs) It was kind of both, right? Yeah. And so, but kind of their, this, like, fierceness and this, like, wanting to, like, be free and wanting to be, like, damn the man led to, like, a lot of drug use and, um, and so, like, this was kind of the, like, underworld of it. Wait, 1940 to 1967 or 57? 57, but this is when they were born. So then, like, you have to think of, like, deck there. Yeah, when they're, like, 20 or 30 and all that. Yeah, so they kind of, like, led this, like, rebellion, but then they kind of, like, fell back in the line and are now, like, (laughs) no, I love my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Baby boomers as, like, a cultural entity I hate, though. Yeah, yeah. Except my mom, because she listens to this podcast. <laughs> well, I don't hate, I, I don't hate my mom, but, like, I just don't like No, their, yeah, yeah. The, like, and it says that, like, I was reading one thing where it was saying that, like, they're now, like, they were discontent because they fell back in the line because mm-hmm. they, like, do have this, like, urge to, to kind of rebel. So then when they, like, did fall back in the line, they were kind of, like, not that happy about it, which could lead to... You know, keeping them. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to get too psycho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> analytical in here. We don't know enough about. No. You know. <laughs> uh, so the next generation is Generation X, mm-hmm. and they were both. So there's two Plutos in two different signs during Generation X. What years? Was um, this? 1957 to 1972, Pluto was in Virgo. Uh, so. Virgo is, like, an earth sign, so they're very much, they can, like, create a plan and go towards it and work towards it. They're not, like, super, they're not as, like, intense as the, um, the fire sign of Leo or, like, the water sign of Cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, earth signs, man. Virgos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, like, Generation X has been called like the slacker generation and because they in their 20s people like couldn't really define them and they like would go from job to job and they had like reverse they had like reduced supervision um during this time because like more people were working and so they were the first like latchkey mm, generation mm-hmm. they had shifting values so they kind of had to like figure out how to make it on their own which Makes a lot of sense for Virgo. Yeah. But this generation is also, like, analytical. They're hardworking and, like, they just didn't really garner a lot of attention, which is why I think they got, like, a bad rap. But the more I read about Generation X, the more they actually did a lot. Like, they were the first generation to really, like, start thinking about the environment or to start, um, like, the dot-com boom was was Generation X. And so... So the first half of Generation X was in Virgo. The second half was in Libra. And that was from 1973 to 1984. Okay. So, and Virgo and Libra kind of have, like, a lot of things in common about, like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, hard workers and they are, they, like, want to achieve stuff. So... Kind of the, I think the earlier Generation Xers were more like, more Virgo in the sense that maybe they were a little bit less, um, like flashy Mm, about it and more just like down to earth and, um, practical. Yeah. And very practical. And then like, so, and then the Libra was like, that was like the dot com boom and like, they're very entrepreneurial and this was the first generation that also kind of wanted 
to get like that work-life balance Mm. and so that's very much Libra like yeah the scales yeah balance cold war also though yeah the cold war so but that would be more like you'd have to look at what Pluto was in during the cold war that's why I didn't do the same at the book because I like couldn't keep going yeah 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 to do it so it was like the tech boom and yeah so I think that it makes sense that like generation x was kind of like this like multifaceted yeah multifaceted like kind of forgotten generation not really Mm. like a lot of people like said that they're just like sandwiched in between the the baby boomers and the millennials Millennials. but I think it's just it makes a lot of sense with Virgo and Libra that they're not out there to get like get the attention they're there to like do work and to try to be happy and to to like but to like do good work and to like be innovative and Mm. um yeah Libra's very innovative air signs yeah but it also makes sense like if you think about it socio-culturally or socio-historically, like, they were reacting to the super flashiness of the Mm -hmm. baby boomer generation. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting to see how the generations, like, it's like peaks and valleys. Like, one generation will be super, like, strong, and the next will be like, okay, well, we're gonna relax. So, on to the next generation, millennials. Pluto and Scorpio. Oh, so that's 1985? To 1995, yeah. Um, or 1984 to 1995. Okay. So we were born, Pluto. both of us, when Pluto was in yeah. Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. And so Scorpios, as we said, are passionate and they are ruled by their desires. Mm-hmm. And they are resourceful and they set out to achieve a plan. Fucking water signs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the children of baby boomers, they're very, millennials are very much into like media and communication. And we've been called Generation Me, which like... It makes sense with, like, I guess, like, a water sign of just, like, thinking of, like, what we want. Mm. Like, letting, like, our desires, like, very much, like, the desires being your ruler, like, made a lot of sense with millennials because millennials will, like, take a lower-paying job because they want to do something that they, like, really love. Yep, Um, that's me. Yeah, so they're, like, civic-minded and they very much, like, want to set out to, like, change things yeah I think I read somewhere that like millennials are more likely to say that having a positive impact on society is like more important to them in a job than money Mm -hmm. and we were like the first generation to like say stuff like that yeah compared to like baby boomers and I feel like that's very much about emotion right Mm because you want to feel like you're having a meaningful impact yeah well, it's funny to think about, like, because for the music scenes for all these, like, oh, so yeah, that's super interesting. For Leo, it was rock and roll, mm-hmm. and then for Virgo and Libra, which was Generation X, was grunge, um, <laughs> and then for millennials, when we were like teenagers, it was like emo, like that yeah. was the, that was the thing, which is emotions right like people's emotions were they were just letting their teenage emotions rise to the surface and just being like this is it I am angsty and I am like really upset that I am a teenager and I don't know what to do about it so yeah so that was like it was really interesting to look at at all the music and we're also called the Peter Pan generation in the sense that oh I've never heard that before yeah in the sense that like it takes us longer to do things which like not our fault now <laughs> um, but I kind of interpreted that as like Scorpios don't settle 
So, mm. like, they will not settle until they, like, are satisfied. And if it's taking us longer to to do stuff, like, we're not going to settle at, like, a job that we don't like. Or, right. like, we're not going to settle. Like, we're not just going to, like, take a job in an office so we can get a house and, like, all that. So, I think that, that that's a way to, like, interpret it. Yeah. I We can't necessarily sacrifice our emotional state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so after millennials are Generation Z. Yeah. And they are also known as post-millennials, plurals, or the Homeland Generation. Yeah, isn't that crazy, the Homeland Generation? Because it's the post-9-11 generation. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of too early, though, for them to be named, like, officially. Like, I think millennials is kind of newer. Yeah, because there was another name for millennials. Generation Y. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because XYZ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Generation Z, they are Sagittarius, um, oh. and this is 1995 to 2008. So Sagittarius are, I almost said Sagittarii. What did you say? Sagittarius? Sagittarius. I literally cannot spell or say this sign. They are optimistic, restless, honest, outspoken, and independent. Mm. So Generation Z makes up about 25% of the U.S. population. Holy shit. That's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. They are the least likely to believe in the American dream. Yeah. So, But they are the most technologically literate. And so kind of this idea of being outspoken, like they speak to like everyone. Like they're fine with having... They just, like, grew up in a world where kind of you can spread your thoughts very mm. far, <laughs> and it fits them. Um, Sagittarius, what? Did I misspeak that Scorpio is a water sign, or Scorp- Sagittarius? Sagittarius is fire. Fire sign, okay. Yeah. Um, but Scorpio is water, yeah. Yeah, okay, I was right. Oh, so they're not only connected to each other, they're connected to the world. Like, mm. they have a much larger connection. And, like, they're very honest about who they are. Like, I feel like they... Um, are, like, very open to, like, speak about kind of who they are as a person and kind of defy what has, like, typically been, mm. like, defined as, per- like, and I don't even know how to, like, put this into words yet because it is so new, but, like, just personhood as a whole and, like, how that's defined and if it can even be defined and, like, the different, like, silos we've been putting ourselves into. It's almost like individuality on steroids. Yeah. I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. So they're, like, very, like, independent like that. Like, they are, like, okay, we are ourselves. Right. But they're still, like, in, they're a generation that kind of grew up in, with the recession, and um, they've only really known a life with, like, terrorism in it. Right. But they're still, like, a very optimistic generation like they were surveyed and they see themselves as loyal compassionate thoughtful and open-minded um so like even though they have kind of grown up in not great times they're still like they're still happy with like mm. life and well, shit was never great <laughs> no, no, no but i think it's interesting that when i was like researching this generation for a different project a couple months ago I was fascinated by the homeland, like, labeling them that generation because the thing that I read was saying that, like, that is one of the reasons that we see young people, like, teenagers indulging in this super nationalism, like, Mm. teenagers for Trump. Like, that is, like, one of, it's, like, two, they're falling on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, some more people who come from more conservative backgrounds in Generation Z are, like, the most intensely nationalistic 
patriotic white supremacists that it are is, out there. But then on the other hand, we have this other side that are really open-minded and are, like, one of the most gender-fluid generations mm. that we've ever, like, experienced. But I think it's interesting that to, like, label them the homeland generation as if before... I mean, I get the idea of 9-11 as, like, a defining thing for a generation, but it's just interesting to me because... Mm-hmm. It's it, it kind of posits that, like, things were great before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I feel like kind of with... They grew up hearing about every single Yeah, that's true. Thing that it, they grew up in, like, a different media landscape. Yeah. Whereas, like, you would just hear about the major things... Right. ...that would be reported upon. Right. Um, so, like, even though shit was bad, you didn't know about it all. Right. Well, and I do think there was, like the cultural change after a, an attack on American soil. I yeah. mean, there was Pearl Harbor in World War II, but that was a different, I think, scenario. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's fine. So now Pluto right now is in Capricorn, <gasps> uh, and it has been since 2008. Okay. Um, and we don't know shit about them yet. Yeah, so we don't really, we don't really know anything about it, but it's kind of interesting that, like, Capricorn has a lot to do with, like, power in Pluto, I read, that um, it very much, like, defines power, and these kids are going to grow up kind of, like, seeing what power is. Like, I feel like when I was there, like, when I was in high school, I didn't care what the president did. I was just like, let me just say, like, it wasn't as prevalent. I was like, okay, like, it's, I don't really have to worry about it, like, so much, Um, but I feel like it's very much like, entrenched now in, like, with this new media, like, seeing kind of the power of just, like, everything, of, like, everything across the world. Um, So maybe that'll, like, have some effect on on them growing up, like, this idea of power. Being much more aware of the government. Yeah, and, like, what it does, and just, like, power over themselves and and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, It's even interesting, because I was, like, graduating high school when Obama was elected so I was like very much a thing I was aware of Mm. the president yeah I was like with George W. Bush so it was just like Mm. like it was just like the worst yeah he was just like maybe but it wasn't like I was never worried about him or like Mm. I don't know it's just like a different civic mindset I I, yeah I definitely think this was this is like a much more dramatic yeah thing yeah at least outwardly, maybe not, you know. Yeah, maybe not. I feel like I'm the person who keeps being like, no, shit was bad. (laughs) But, no, I think this was, like, a much more dramatic... Like, imagine having to tell your, like, 10-year-old kid right now or, like, having to have, you know... All right, that's all I have. That was fascinating. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, I'm super sweaty. Me too. (laughs) Um, This is a long one. Was it? How long is it? Well, it says an hour and ten minutes, but we were talking We had to cut a lot of trash talk in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna sign off because yeah. I'm gonna go stick my head in my fridge. Send us questions, concerns, corrections. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Whew.